What is up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of We Run This. Jeannie, you look so confused because my cadence is off. What's what's your cadence? Like normally, I'm like, what's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of We Run This. I'm Crystal Minotti. Yeah, I was waiting for you to introduce yourself. <laughs> okay, so now you should. Okay, I'm, I'm Gina Capone. I'm just trying to fix it. I'm just trying to change it up just so people, you know, I know people like the same thing. I know people like routine, but sometimes when you're knocked out of that routine, you're like, oh, what? what's this? This is, this is different. I mean, I was ready to introduce myself. I was just waiting. Sometimes I might just introduce you. I'm really going to throw a Perfect. wrench into it. I'm going to do something even, even more different the beginning of this episode. Do you want to know what that is? I guess I'll have to find out. You're going to have to find out. And what I'm going to do from the beginning here is I'm going to ask everybody, first of all, Thank you to everyone who listens. Thank you to everyone who follows us on Instagram and YouTube and, and, and sends us DMs and says really nice things about the show. We love it. The show is growing. But one thing we would love even more, and I'm going to make a plea to everyone out there. This is me with my plea voice. If you listen to the show on, uh, on Apple, even Spotify too, I think Spotify allows you to do it. Please go leave us a five-star review. Oh, yeah. It's super huge. That's how other people find us. I mean, we love when other people share our episodes and send them to people and tweet them out and things like that. But the five stars is huge because then Apple goes, oh, hmm, this must be a interesting podcast that other people who <laughs> listen to running podcasts would want to listen to. We should probably put it near the top. And mm -hmm. that would help us tremendously to grow our audience. So from the jump, I'm going to ask people to go and leave us a five-star review. And if you do, Gina will come and clean your house. Or I'll make you food. Come on, clean. I don't clean, I cook. Uh, you know- I'll send you guys like some like vegan brownies or something. You lost half the audience, but here's a <laughs> I'm great not question. vegan, but I just feel like they're healthy. This is a great question. And I want you to write, write this down. Did you bring your pen and paper today? No. It, you're I'll not prepared. I'm gonna, write, I'm gonna write it down for you. Just- I know we have a running podcast here. And just out of curiosity, I'd like to put a poll up on the Instagram account. If someone were to come to your house and offer you, I will A, clean your house or B, make you food. What would the, what would the winner be? I'm a good cook. I'm not a great cleaner. I'm not, not, not even you personally. Like saying if, if, if someone was coming to your house and they were going personally, to I would be so embarrassed for somebody to clean my space. Like, I feel like, like, I know people don't care, but like, I care. Like, I feel like I'm not dirty, but I feel like I'm like messy. So I'd rather somebody cook for me than like come in my house and like, look at where I live and clean it. So you're one of those people who would clean before the cleaning lady got there. Yes. And I get that from my mom because my mom's like that. Okay. What about that you? Makes, that makes it, uh, would I clean before the cleaning lady got there? Yes. If I okay, had a it's the same thing. Yes. If I had to choose between the two, uh, I would say I would take cleaning and I'd be like, you know what? You don't even have to do the whole house. Just do the bathroom. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Scrub my tub. And it's true. Scrub... You have two kids too. <laughs> yeah. Scrub my shower and scrub my tub. I'll cook for you while you're doing it because that's how much I hate doing it. Instead of paying, you'll cook them. Yes. I'd be like, that's the trade-off. I'll make you dinner if you scrub <laughs> for me. There you go, all the ladies out there. Yeah, ladies. Ideal date. I, <laughs> that, imagine that would be a big Come to my house and you clean and I'll cook for you. Would that be the worst or best date ever? <laughs> yeah, it depends what kind of girl it is, maybe. Like, let's just hang in tonight and you clean my bathroom and I'll make you dinner. <laughs> there you go. I mean, that's 
that's a winner right there. That's a keeper. Yeah, right there. yeah that's true. Um, did you run today? I did run today. I ran seven and a half miles. And then tomorrow, I don't know if you get the invite because you don't check Facebook, but tomorrow there's a group run. If you want to come, it's a seven and a half mile loop. Uh-huh. You know what? You know, I don't pay attention. I have my kids. And it's okay. always on the weekends that I have my well, kids. Don't say that I didn't invite you because I did. You did. I also, I don't check Facebook. You're correct true. on that. I especially didn't check it this week because I knew my Facebook page was going to blow up because Monday was my birthday. And I didn't even wish you happy birthday. You didn't even tell me, did I? You text did not. You on nope, you did not. You didn't talk to me till Wednesday. But I thought maybe you might have done it on Facebook and I missed it. So I just assumed no, you did. I did. I did wish you a happy birthday on Facebook. Facebook yeah. failed me. I'm going I'm well, to go check birthday. it. I'm going to go check birthday. right now because I know you didn't. It's, it's okay. You're st- Then you're still a year younger to me because I didn't wish you a happy birthday. Yeah. Don't I look older? Yeah. Although oh I, God, I, I'm terrible. Out of nowhere, I'm getting grays. Like it just happened within the last month or so. Like I'm getting gray. It's probably because of me, because I'm your third child now. That's why. Gina, you hit the nail on the damn head. Really? I'm dealing with three. Okay. We're going to get way off the path of running here, but you want to know my newest thing that I'm worried about? Not, I won't say worried, but uh, so my eight-year-old now has an iPod touch. Uh Uh-oh. She can text and FaceTime me anytime she wants Mm -hmm. because she doesn't have to ask her mom for the phone anymore. So this morning she FaceTimes me and I'm like, uh, now it's only been a day. So, so far it's like cute, but I can tell after a while, I'm going to be like, oh God, I mean, not that I don't want to talk to my daughter, but I know it's summer. She's going to be bored anyway. So I go, I get FaceTime and I'm like, Hey babe, how you doing? She's like, Oh, hi daddy. I'm sorry. I accidentally FaceTime you. I meant to FaceTime my friend. Uh, uh, She's texting me right now. She's been texting me all morning. I got to go. Bye. And hung up on me. So it wasn't even like a nice thing. And I'm like, my eight-year-old just straight up told me like, bye. She did. She played you. So now I got an 11-year-old who won't stop talking to me about video games. I got a 25-year-old who gets concussions and car accidents and he's afraid to, 24, <laughs> is afraid to tell me. Yep. And I got an eight-year-old who's blowing me off on FaceTime. Yeah. Insane. Uh, I did go for a run today, though. <laughs> and you ran faster than me. Faster, but not farther. Yeah, but it equivalates. Cause like still, if you ran another mile, you still would have been faster than me. Mm, true. You would have had to like walk the last mile. I felt like it. Trust me. Yeah, it was hot today. We no, I was okay. Time. I was okay. My back started locking up, like right around mile five ish. My back was like, nah, you're not gonna do this for much farther today. I think. I wonder why that is. I've been doing a lot of sit ups. I need to send you this thing I did today. Sorry, there's a wasp and it's freaking out. Lindsay has a dynamic 10-minute stretch and warm-up. Okay. I did it. And it was great before I ran today. It was, that, it's like a lower back and hamstring. That I would do. I do need to stretch beforehand. Yeah. But I think it's because I did like 300 crunches before I left. Why? Because I'm trying to do more crunches. I'm trying to do ab, more ab work. You don't need to do crunches to get abs. But you're so I need I need to do more crunches to make my core stronger for running and other things. Yeah, but you know how many other things you could do that works your core than crunches? But it's just you're it's a just personal a, trainer. It's just to do before. It's just something to do. It's just something, some type of ab exercise. I mean, I do other things. It's just some type of ab exercise. But 300 setups a little excessive. I don't do it all at one time. I space it I'm, out. I wouldn't, I wouldn't probably don't even do 50 in a workout. 
And then I mix it in. Like I'm also doing like push-ups, and I have resistance bands and I have a kettlebell, but I, that's what I'm thinking did the back thing, even though I rolled out my back before I started, mm-hmm. I think it just locked up, but I did run faster than you. And I want to concentrate on that. So let's concentrate on me running faster. You did. You I did. did. I'll give it to you. I did. Um, we should probably talk about the- 10k pace basically i just need to throw that in there he can he literally can't run a 10k pr when we're trying but then he can basically run a 10k pr when he's running by himself but that was two months ago a lot has changed in two months that's yeah so okay. we'll try it again soon we need another series another 10k series we also have to run in jeans that we promised that we never did yeah. who promised that i didn't tell anybody that uh, we promised each other. Okay, but nobody else. <laughs> we might have said it on a podcast. I don't remember. Anyway, <laughs> anyway, we say a lot of things on here. Anyway, uh, <laughs> our guest today is Eric Esposito. Uh, he was an interesting guy. He does ultra marathons. Um, did he? Did he do marathons? I don't even remember. Um, I don't know. He did his marathon and his like and tri- his Ironman. I'm and sorry, like he does Ironman and triathlons. Yeah, I meant yeah, to say. Yeah. That's what I meant to yeah. say. So he's done a marathon. I don't know if he's done a marathon just by itself. Yes. And what makes it so interesting is uh, he suffered from a traumatic brain injury a couple of years ago where he actually got hit while he was riding his bike. Mm-hmm. And um, you'll notice in the interview, like it kind of takes him a little bit of time to talk and, you know, formulate ideas question, and sometimes, yeah. which, which is, crazy to me like the whole time I'm thinking to myself like how do you go and do and we asked him like how do you go and do Ironmans when sometimes you just kind of lose your train of thought yeah you kind of like how are you in the middle of the race and not like where am I going yeah and what am I doing was, like, not scared to like get back out there like he went he he was like didn't really have like that many physical injuries so after the accident he was like back out there like going and wasn't scared i think i would be like petrified to race on the roads yeah and get on a bike again and ride in the streets but i feel like when people suffer from those type of things that's like the that's like the first thing a lot of people do Mm -hmm. like they're just like i mean just like screw it you got like i mean you look you do it with injuries Mm -hmm. i mean his his was a ridiculous yeah but like you're not in control of like someone else's car like it is really scary to think about do you get nervous running on the street? Yes, but I always run against traffic. So do I. Like, I don't believe anybody that says you should run with traffic. And I, and that's the same thing with bikes. It's like you're supposed to ride against, like with traffic on a bike because yeah. it's technically a vehicle, but you can't see. No. The, the bike, I can take the argument for. I get it because it is a vehicle. But with running, especially with headphones on, I can't see anything behind me, but when I'm running and there's a car coming at me, I can tell, all right, that guy's looking at his cell phone because I can see the way he's swerving exactly. Exactly. and I'm going to get out of the way. So <laughs> exactly. I do that. So, um, if I were to, I did almost get hit by a car once hmm. it was, uh, I'm going to say it was my fault. Uh, I thought it was a four-way stop. It mm-hmm. was only a two-way stop. Mm-hmm. Luckily it was only 25 miles an hour, but I just missed getting hit by a car. You were running across the street? Yes, because I thought, so the two cars this way were stopped. Mm-hmm. There was no other car coming to my left. Mm-hmm. Coming to my right, I thought he was stopping because I thought it was a four-way stop. He thought I was stopping because he thought I knew and just, and then like, just like breezed past me. Yeah. I, like I stopped, he went past me. 
it's happening people roll through like a red like when it's a red and you can make a right on red where people right. they're looking this way at the cars like coming mm -hmm. so they don't see you so now i've after that i started running like behind the car like I do instead that of in the crosswalk i'll run behind it because i don't trust anybody <laughs> i don't either and i give them the hand signal of which way i'm going like if someone's oh. pulling out no i like i'll point to the back of their car like i'm running that way okay. so like don't wait for me like i'm going around oh, you right, right. right now I do that a lot when people are coming out of driveways. Mm -hmm. I was like, I'll just run around you. Just go ahead. Like, mm -hmm. I don't need to. So, but yeah, so we talked to Eric uh, about his brain injury, about his Iron Man, and uh, about a lot of different things. And um, he's a good guy to talk to. And I give him a ton of credit because I don't even know if I could get on a bike again, at least mm -hmm. not right away, maybe eventually. Yeah, he's awesome. So, um, so here's us talking to uh, Eric Esposito. What's up, everybody? We're back, and we are here with Eric Esposito. Eric, what's up, man? How you doing? I'm doing well. You? Good. You look like you just got done. You just got done training or something? Yeah. I'm just hanging out here. Headed sweatshirt. I have to ride for three hours. Oh, you rode for three hours today? Yeah. Oh, okay. my God. All right. So let's talk about that. What what type of what type of ride was it? Uh, I was just doing um, I was doing like a small workout on Zwift where uh, I uh, basically warm up to a point and sustain that wattage for like two and a half, three hours and then uh, cool down. So mm -hmm. it's basically keeping the same cadence and uh, same power for three hours. Doesn't Are sound exciting. On a stationary bike? I'm on my triathlon bike, which is hooked up to a smart trainer. Okay. What do you watch while you're doing that? Or what do you do? Like, do you watch anything? Do you? Um, I go through a lot of different YouTube channels. <laughs> I got, I'm one of those people who like to learn. At least it's if like at the same time, be entertained too. Okay. You know? So I, I like those kind of channels where they're like informational. So mm -hmm. like uh one double productions or something, you know, it's easy to kill a few hours on. Mm -hmm. Besides your channel and our channel, like what are some other favorites? Like, uh, what, what's the what's the weirdest one you ever just got stuck into a rabbit hole with where you just <laughs> video after video you just kept watching take this how you want but i found one on tying knots mm. okay and how many, like sailor knots yeah like all different types of knots that i had no idea how to do or that they existed mm -hmm. that i'll ever need but they were just knots it's pretty cool did you try any of them I could do some of the simple ones for like that you can put tie on a fishing hook with, but you don't have to because they're pre-made now. So that's true. I, I was gonna say, like, how many is it a different all I keep thinking of is I don't know if you guys have ever seen it, but the Portlandia episode where Jeff Goldblum owns a like knot tying store. Like uh, I've never seen that show. Yeah. So uh there's an episode where uh Jeff Goldblum uh these people are looking for like a, a new housewarming gift. And they go, I forget, it's like some funny name, like all about knots or something like that. And Jeff Goldblum has like all these knots in like different displays. And he was like showing them how to do it. 
So that's, that's all I keep thinking of is some guy on a YouTube channel like Jeff Goldblum making knots. I don't remember all the videos, but it's, I just remember it was about making knots and I just don't remember how I came across it. But I was like, <laughs> this is really cool. Do you ever watch any videos on triathlons or biking or? Um, you know, if they have, I like to watch them live. Like some races, they're getting better about coverage now and getting people into the sport, and, but they'll have, you know, the live feed on Facebook live or, preferably YouTube live, but they're on Facebook live. And you just watch that. You can sit there on your bike or on a treadmill, you know, and go for hours and you're watching real time race. Mm -hmm. So that's easy to do when there are races that weekend, but not every race is televised. Right. Does that change? Uh, you know, I, you said that when you train, you have to go at a steady pace when you're watching a race, do you like naturally start biking faster? No, <laughs> you just stay with it. Yeah. It, it, I'm kind of just kind of losing myself in the moment mm -hmm. because it's going to be so boring if I start paying attention to the actual animation that shows me how long I've been on here. Yeah, <laughs> no. So I'd Gina, rather not know and just keep going at a steady pace. Mm -hmm. Gina's not much for watching. She doesn't even look at her watch. Yeah, I hate that. I can't, I cannot know. I'm like, I just need to be zoned out and I don't need to know how far I've gone or how much longer I have left. I just need to like get into a rhythm and just like, that's my me time. So Eric, how did you get into triathlons and Ironmans? Like, is it something you started as a kid or did it come later? Uh, it came later. Uh, at the time I was in grad school and I was coaching a U.S. Masters swim team, uh, the Atlanta Rainbow Trout. And uh, they had some triathletes on the team. And for two years, they nagged me about doing one until I finally said, okay, I'll do one. That was July 2014. You know, the season's basically over September, October. So I got in a race in Tallahassee in October. And uh, even that didn't go as planned because I had originally picked that location because the girl I was seeing, her sister lived there. I'm like, oh, we can just go there. We have an excuse to go. <laughs> well, no, we broke up like five weeks before. I'm like, I got to go fucking Tallahassee by myself now. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like, all right. So like the race never even went as planned. It's like, well, this is actually pretty fun. I want to do another one. Mm -hmm. So you had a good enough experience that you wanted to do it again. Uh, what was your, uh, did you grow up riding bikes? Like how did that part happen? I was, uh, I mean, I came into the sport as a swimmer, which is the rarity where most people come in as runners, then cyclists, and then way behind is swimming. Mm -hmm. We've talked to people on here who have done triathlons. They're not you know, they've done one here and there, and they always say that they screw up on the bike part, that they don't pay enough attention to the bike. Do you find that people do that often? Uh, it, it just depends. Uh, after you've been doing this a few years, you should have your, I don't want to say this is going to be the routine you die with, but you should know what works for you, what doesn't work for you. So you know what kind of calories you need to consume when hydration on the bike. At a certain point, like, being you know novice and naive to a lot of your stuff that goes away so it's when when you have mess ups on the bike it's like something that you wouldn't attribute to being a novice like i had one where i screwed up on the bike that's because i underestimated how hilly a course was mm -hmm. so i didn't bring the right cassette and then i got hammered for 56 miles so 
that's one of those mistakes. <laughs> but that's more of an upper level mistake that you wouldn't really, you know, be prepared for. Gina, are you gonna say something? Yeah. Did you did you just go right into doing a full triathlon, or did you ever do like a sprint or anything? Um, I did an Olympic triathlon. That was the first one. Um, I because distance swimming was I had done that before and it wasn't really that hard. Um, but so the swimming, the actual distance of a try, whether you know whether it's the sprint six hundred meters or the 2.4 miles in the Ironman, it was, I picked that up really easy. And I actually don't swim a lot now because I just, I'd rather focus on either running or biking. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. What was the hardest for your first one? Was it the biking or was it the running? Because you had swimming under your belt. Um, it was probably the running just because I had only been running for like a few months. It's like, okay, I don't really know what I'm doing here. And uh, it was only a 10K, but, you know, I, I figured it out eventually. Mm-hmm. It happens with a couple of tries. That's why, that's, they tell the- you, that's why they tell you don't do an Ironman first, right. do a sprint, because you learn a lot in that first race. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. How long did it take you to get used to, like you said, about the eating and what your body needed in the race? Not just the actual part of the race, but, you know, the, the fueling yourself and stuff. I mean, I've been doing this since 2004. 14 and i've made changes to where and like nutrition changes like for a while i was doing this uh hammer perpetuum right and it was if you made if you change it's a powder that you reconstitute and so you control the consistency of the texture that's the nice thing about a liquid that you mix with the powder you can get as thick as you want to like if you wanted to come out of your water bottle as a paste you can it's a science that takes like a couple years to really get down and uh, but even then you run into the problem where i'm getting sick of doing this after two seasons so you change something so it's it's kind of evolving as you go Mm -hmm. um how's what's your diet like besides the race days like what's your diet like in regular training yeah i ate a lot of junk food (laughs) do you i do i mean i put on a lot of sorry i have cotton off um i put a lot of COVID weight on mm. it was like because in March when they told me uh at the pool we're probably not opening back up for a while mm. I was like my brain kind of shut down it's like okay well there's going to be no season and so at that point like I got slower and I just stopped working out and then six months later I hadn't done anything and I picked it back up again and uh Trying to remember what your original question is. You're running uh, like that. you're eating. We asked about eating uh, habits, and uh, you said you eat a ton of junk food. Yeah, you know, and like for the most part, I was doing so much endurance training for Ironmans and half Ironmans that it was more about the calories rather than what I was actually eating. Well, when you go to having no activity, then you still eat like you you're you know an endurance athlete. You run into the problem of putting on a lot of weight in a hurry, so. <laughs> I put on like 50, but I've lost 30 of it since New Year's. Wow. Do you feel like that taking a break kind of like helped you reset your mindset a little bit? Like, do you feel more motivated going into a new season or do you feel like it kind of messed you up? Um, you know, it's hard to say because like I came back when I started back this season, I was significantly slower than I used to be. And it's, it's weird to me, like if it's, it's a kind of a mental thing, but 
you know, I came back to running at least between 90 to 95% of my speed after being hit by a car in like within like three months. And after COVID, I haven't regained that, you know, 90 to 95% speed that I used to have in a half Ironman or, you know, I am up to anywhere between 45 to an hour longer in a race. Mm -hmm. So I don't know how to do with COVID or different life circumstances, but I mean, something is different about it to where I'm slower, but I can still do it. So you said, mentioned that you got hit by a car. How did that, that was in 2017. Yeah. So how has been coming back minus COVID, but before COVID coming back from that, how did you manage even training or just with life in general? Well, as an athlete, uh, once you get hit, I, I only, I didn't break any bones except for one of my fingers. And I don't even remember which one it was because it was non-displaced fracture. So I didn't even need a cast. Um, so I, after that, everything was like, you know, contusions, road rash, all stuff that heals and your, you know, your range of mobility comes back. You know, my fine motor skills in my hands were still messed up for the most part as an athlete, I still had all my, you know, my abilities and I could still, you know, run, I could do decent pace. I came back, you know, with a couple of months but I never really lost like huge swaths of function. It was just, you know, I was so beat up. My range of motion was limited. And then once it got better with time, then it wasn't like I noticed any difference. Can you talk about what happened with the accident? Yeah. Uh, it's been almost four years now. It's going on uh, past three and a half. So um, I was, it was a week after Ironman Chattanooga 2017, and uh, I was looking to get extra miles on the bike. And um, I had bike commute to work before. And when uh, I'm like, okay, I can do it again because it was 15 miles to Decatur and 15 back. So I'd pick up 30 extra miles. This is great. So I went on health insurance October 1st because I, this was a relatively new firm to me. And uh, went on October 1st. First ride was October 2nd. I'm like, oh, this is nice. It's got a really nice sunrise over the train station. I'm coming into Decatur. I'm like, this is nice. Well, by the time I got to that intersection, this on the second trip on October 5th, I got hit. And uh, the guy was making a soft left turn. Or, you know, it's one of those ones that's like 45 degrees that you don't necessarily have to hit your brakes if you don't think you have to. So he didn't hit his brakes when he went to the intersection and then he hit me because he never even saw me. So. And like walk us through the rehabilitation of that. Like, you know, how long did it take before you could do regular things? Was it, was it like kind of quick or did it take a long time? Oh, it, it's a hard question to answer. It's um, like I said, my physical abilities, you know, like my hands are still a little bit screwy with, doing sketching and drafting stuff that I do as an architect that I can't do anymore. So some of those fine motor skills and whether the field touching pen line weights, stuff like that, that never really came back. But, you know, for the most part, I was up and moving, you know, within two months, I ran a 5k seven weeks after I got hit. It's like that, you know, it hurt a little bit, but 
other than that, I mean, it was not that much slower. It's like, okay, so I'm doing all right. So the, the physical abilities come back. It's the part when you get a traumatic brain injury, that's when you go through, it can be anything because those two brain injuries are the same. So it was just kind of figuring out what my deficiencies were after that, working with a neurologist, working with a vision therapist, doing neuropsych testing. It was just kind of an onslaught of, you know, just your, day, your, your monthly routine of what doctors you have to see and a psychiatrist in there too. So, yeah. Were you ever like scared going back out there? Like, were you ever afraid of, well, obviously not now, but at first, were you kind of nervous about going back and biking on the roads or even running on the roads? Um, yeah, I had been running on the roads. I mean, everything was sidewalks, but, um, you know, it never really bothered me being on the run. Mm-hmm. And I, I live on, well, where I'd like to run is a street where people make a, a lot of blind right turns. They're just looking to see if traffic's coming on the left. So I had almost been hit there a couple of times too post-accident, but it didn't really bother me as much as like being on a bike mm-hmm. because my first time riding outdoors uh, after the accident was at uh, Ironman 70.3 Gulf Coast. Wow. So you trained an entire cycle. Not yeah, everything that. was everything was indoors. So and um, it was it was kind of nerve wracking because uh, man, I I had been stabilized by a trainer for one. So my balance my balance has never recovered though. Um, I learned that from paddleboarding this past weekend. <laughs> but uh, so I, I felt really uncomfortable on the bike for one, and um, then one of my cartridges for co2 which you reinflate your tires with if you get a flat mm-hmm. it unscrewed itself out of the nut in the back and i heard it go ping 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 going across the asphalt mm-hmm. i'm trying to look over my shoulder to see if you know what happened in my shadow then this car comes whizzing by because the bike course is on a highway and the highway is 65 miles an hour yeah. so it's not a closed course you have a closed lane but the, you know when someone comes flying past you, yeah, it kind of scares the crap out of you. At any point were you like, I don't know if I want to do this anymore? I knew it always came in phases, but when I came back slower this time around, it's like, do I not just, you know, was, I was wondering, like, is my time kind of passed with this? And like, I'm enjoying it, but I'm not as fast. So it's not like, it kind of takes a little bit away from like I was always trying to go my fastest, and when you're in a your new fastest is not really comparable with your old fastest. It's kind of do I like is there something wrong with me? Do I not want this? Do I want to go on to something different? Mm-hmm. So you think about it, and you went you know you work through it for like maybe a season. Like was it a phase, or you'll find out after that long. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is going to sound like an odd question, but once I explain it all, you're going to understand. So I read a book. Uh, about a year or two ago about people who do have, who do get traumatic brain injuries and they end up sometimes forgetting how to do some things, but then all of a sudden are great at doing other things. Did you find yourself that there were some things that you couldn't do anymore, but there were some things that all of a sudden you were kind of good at? Uh, the first one I can answer for sure. Okay. I forgot most of the Spanish that I could speak. I wasn't fluent, 
I can get around, you know, I mean, I had six or seven years of it throughout college. Mm -hmm. I used it from time to time. Well, that was pretty much gone because I never used it again and I couldn't remember when I needed to. Mm -hmm. So that was one of the things that was going on. I don't really think I picked up. Like the only thing that I picked up is that I have no sense of fear or no sense of shame anymore. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I went through a lot of stuff and it was, you know, stuff that you wouldn't wish on other people, whether it would be, you know, my interpersonal relationships or my own struggles and stuff like that. And I, um, I just lost it. Um, you said no that? sense of fear or shame. Yeah, it's like so. I went through a lot of stuff, and it's just I realized that it's easier to be completely vulnerable and uh, put it all out there. So then you don't have anything to fear or any, you know, any shame. Like I didn't have to worry about working as an architect anymore because we realized that four times it's just not going to work, you know, and they're just going to keep letting you go because you still can't do the job. So it was just kind of learning like, okay, now I don't have to fear being fired every day. Cause you just, for a while you keep going out there. Like everything's the same. You feel the same. You think you're the same. But everybody else notices you're different. Mm -hmm. And so it's, you know, after a while, you start to feel kind of like an imposter once you figure that out. Got you. Okay. Um, hopefully this question makes sense because it makes sense in my head, but let's say, <laughs> do you think you don't have fear or shame anymore because of the injury that part of your brain shut off? Or do you think because you got hurt in this way, that you just don't care anymore because you could have been dead. It's more of a sense of liberation mm. that I would say associated with it. Because, you know, I had the accident caused a lot of baggage between the depression, the migraines, all the different stuff, the anxiety. So, that was one thing but then i had a relationship with my fiance where she was not very supportive she did not handle this whole situation well which is why we're no longer together so you know i i had two different things going on that i was trying to you know i was just trying to get through so i guess it's kind of like liberating to where i don't have to worry about her leaving i don't have to worry about getting fired that makes me confident and then to keep doing the things that i'm doing like the youtube channel or doing the books so it, that's what keeps me going now yeah. has it ever affected you during um any triathlons like any of your races not just um and i know we talked a little bit about with the tire and the, the thing popping off and the person coming and the car rushing by but do you ever like get like sidetracked or you can't like focus during during the race or you get a migraine like does it ever like um affect your racing in that way so when i first uh the second race that i went back um man one of those ptsd issues too because there was an ambulance that came cut the course and came flying through and that gave me an issue with my ptsd mm -hmm. or it kind of froze me a little bit and um, that's really the only time after that, because then I didn't race again 
outside of like a 5k or 10k for um, um for uh, uh what was it we were talking <laughs> is that alexa talking yeah tell me about my hoa being and i'm not going to okay <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's part of the thing for when you have a brain injury uh -huh. you have a lot of memory issues to forget stuff so everybody's got to be in your calendar for stuff uh -huh. that you do and you use alexa to set your you know your short term alerts too so everything goes to your phone all the other stuff uh-huh how i get by except for it just butts in on conversations every now and then <laughs> And if it has an Alexa, it'll turn yours on too. Uh, I, I I don't. Did you? Do you, you don't have an Alexa, do you? I don't have an Alexa. I'm gonna start stopping saying the name so it doesn't think I that I, I'm talking to Eric's. Um, but you were saying about how the uh, you the the brain injury and the forgetfulness in the middle of your second race, and you said how it kind of affected that. Yeah, I mean, the only time like whatever, even when I'm riding like full speed in a bike race whether it be half ironman ironman you pick your distance i kind of want to tune out but maintain a certain level of cognitive activity to where i can do basic math faster in my head because everything else doesn't matter except for the math so i'm doing math in my head figuring out the distance between my speed and my watts to figure out okay i can go a little bit faster i can go a little bit easier and so that's how I, I, I can, I prefer to, you know, zone out rather than be zoned in mm -hmm. kind of a mixed bag though. But like on the run, you know, I'm still doing that basic math and the swim is still math. Like I'll catch a glimpse of my watch to see my pace and I know whether to ease off the gas or, you know, step on it. Mm -hmm. After the injury, when you said you wanted to go back and race and everything, was anybody in your life like, could you not? <laughs> um, no, everybody knew I was going to do it. So, <laughs> so they didn't even bother. <laughs> no. And um, I mean, I think the people who didn't want me to do it the most were my attorneys. <laughs> they, <laughs> they would have preferred had I not raced for a while. Yeah. Okay. Because when I was being deposed, they, they, they pull up a picture of my one, my first 5K back on Instagram about uh the key lime pie i said the road to recovery begins with key lime pie because i won my age group so i got a key lime pie huh. and she's asking me in the deposition she's about the race and everything i said you know she shows me that she's like do you recognize this photo i'm like do you think that the road to the recovery does not begin with key lime pie <laughs> <laughs> and so you know so had I not done that, my attorney's been a lot happier, but I still ran a marathon four months after getting hit. So it would prefer not doing that too. Got you. Everybody uh, else is all for it. You said you weren't crazy about running before, but you ran a marathon. Like, did, did you like that? Um, you know, the first time I ran, uh, I've, I've run two. The first time I did it, I was trying to qualify for Boston, mm -hmm. except for I kind of bonked it mile 22 and then i got too slow to maintain that pace so i walked a little bit but through 22 i was i was doing great i'm like all right i'm right around that 657 per mile i need to get to boston well like i said it didn't happen so the next time was going to be like literally a year later which is in between that time i got hit by the car mm. so 
I mean, we didn't know how fast I would be able to run or anything. Um, and I worked, I had never worked with a coach before I hired a coach. I'm like, Hey, you know, what can you do to get me to whatever shape we can do, uh, for this race? Cause again, I talked to him with like 14 weeks out, we started a three month plan and we just, that got me to that. So that got me a 348. And that's not a bad race. I, the thing is, like, the hardest part was the back half for me. I stopped and walked eight times. Wow. But the whole point of that race was to get me to finish the race because I, you know, I got hit by a car to interrupt all that training cycle because I signed up for the race before I got hit. Mm-hmm. And I was just too stubborn to eat that fee because I'm like, no, I already paid for it. I'm going to go. <laughs> so, so that was, the motivation was that you paid? Yeah. <laughs> They're expensive. Like almost two hundred dollars to run a to run a full marathon. I think mine was probably about a hundred dollars, and I'm like, no, I'm not even that. Oh. <laughs> and not only did I go, but my ex fiance came. She raced, and our two friends that uh, live across the street came with us. So we all stayed in the hotel together, and I could basically turned it from one person going to all four people are racing. So it was fun. Cool. Uh, you, uh, you, I mentioned you had a YouTube channel where you kind of talk about some of the things about your traumatic brain injury and stuff like that. Uh, do you do that to kind of uh, teach people? Do you do that to kind of talk to people who also have the issue? Uh, is it more of a therapeutic thing? Like what's the idea behind that? So I have different shows that do different things. Like the, the, the TBI vlog, that just tells you something about what my life has been like in the last three and a half years or so. You know, it's maybe not a big fact. Maybe it's just something that was on my mind that week or something. Like how, uh, like the episode I did about getting the water out of your ears if you're not supposed to shake your head like I was. And so, oh, I used, you know, a vibrating toothbrush to rattle the eardrums at work. I did an episode on that. So that can vary just whatever I want my message to be about something. Um, The show I do where I interview people, it's... I, it's a, for a couple of reasons. For one, it was really my only way of connecting with people after uh, COVID hit because I was pretty isolated. You know, I had just went uh, through a pretty hard breakup where the friends all kind of drifted towards her. They also lived by her too, but like, so I lost a lot of friends in the deal and COVID hit, I'm isolated. I just didn't see anybody. I didn't get a hug, nothing for like 10, what, eight, 10 months. So, you know, that, that got to me, but what was the original question? Um, the, the vlog, like why you do the vlog about oh, the brain injury. Yeah. Uh, so the vlog is just to get my message out. And so whether it, it helps people in different ways, because different episodes have been told, you know, this really spoke to me or something. And sometimes I do stuff like, you know, setting your Alexa up to remind you all your stuff. Like I'll do something like that. It's on my head. I put it up there. I, you know, I have like different show ideas that I've written down. So, but then the, the Sunday morning conversation thing, I either talk to people who deal with, have brain injuries or up and coming triathletes, because I learned from a uh, uh, journalist at the Atlanta Journal Constitution. He told me, he's like, you know, don't always go to try to get, um, an interview with you know the star player 
whoever the best people is there. So you like check the people who are pros, but they're in the back of the pack or, you know, their leads coming up and they'll always do an interview with you and you always have a story. Mm. So like, okay. So those are the other parts of the people I do. And you learn some stuff along the way too. Mm-hmm. Have you learned, uh, what's the one thing that you've learned that sticks out from the people that you've interviewed? Uh, the comedian told me, uh, don't ever, uh, read your reviews <laughs> or comments. Really? What, yeah. did, did you get negative comments? It's almost like the law of the nature where everybody has their haters for whatever reasons. There are comments that you get that get filtered out on YouTube at least because uh, depending on what they say, you know, it's either they're, it goes against their term of service. So they get filtered out, but you know, there's assholes everywhere. So there's people that are going on vlogs about traumatic brain, brain injuries and leaving negative comments. Yeah. Well, to be fair, I was in a lawsuit over this that involved them victim blaming me because I wasn't being visible enough. Like, you know, never mind that I didn't, I had neon armbands on, you know, or I had my vest on my back. You know, never mind that I had a headlight. We're just going to still call, it's just, we're going to build the victim blame defense. So it's like nothing new to me. Got you. Okay. You think the people that were commenting were like friends of those people that, yeah. Or you just think that they were just jumping on the bandwagon and saying? No, um, no, it wasn't like a bandwagon thing. It was just like a couple isolated things. I don't know what, you know, you never know what happens in someone else's day. So maybe they're not normally assholes. Maybe they are. You never know. But I, you know, I learned to kind of have a thicker skin for that kind of thing a while ago. So they're just, they're just your typical internet trolls. Yeah, pretty much. Got you. Is did you like get a upgraded like helmet or anything after your accident just to in case like anything else happened again? Like if you fell off, like do you have a special type of helmet to add a little bit extra cushioning or no? No. So all helmets have to meet the same basic level of safety. Um, so they don't get too much more technologically advanced depending whether you're getting the $100 helmet or the $400 helmet. What are your, I'm sorry, God. I said, when you get the $400 helmets, it's because you're trying to make yourself aerodynamic and you're trying to shave off as much time as possible. But other than that, like there's really no different level of safety and whether I would have to upgrade to a special one, you know, they're all the same. Hmm. Uh, what are some of your goals moving forward? Like for the next year, couple of years? Um, I want to start traveling more. Okay, that's a good one. Where do you want to go? So I wanted to do a lot of racing out on the West Coast or in the mountains, or there's a half Ironman in, uh, in Alaska above the Arctic Circle that I wanted to do. Uh, I, I like going to all these different locations, but it's always been mostly what can I drive to because I have like my friends and my family in the Midwest that I can go crash with and do a race in that area. Or I have the Atlantic Coast and I have it there, but wherever I went, I've driven. I've never actually got to, you know, pack my bike up, hop on a plane and go. So I think I'd like to do that and race out West because, you know, there's a lot of good races out there and I think it would be fun. And I have a lot of sky miles because the last two jobs as an architecture consultant, I just racked up sky miles, hotel points because I was 
traveling twice a week. So yeah, I just collected all that and like now I can use it on whatever I want. Do you have like a bucket list race that you want to do? I do. It's called Patagon, man. Um, so there's this guy I talked to, uh, in the interview months ago, he does extreme triathlons are known as X tries. They're Ironman distance triathlons, but they're extreme, whether it be the weather, the altitude, something about them makes it extreme, you know, whether it's like boiling hot water or ice cold water. So Patagon man is in the Patagonia region of Chile. Um, you know, if you don't know the distance of an Ironman is it's a 2.4 mile swim, 112 mile bike, and then a 26.2 mile run. So, you know, Patagon, man, you're going from the Chilean fjord, which is like 45 degrees water. It's freezing. Um, and you're starting in the dark. So you, which is a hard thing for me, but I think it'll be interesting because you're only illuminated by the lights around you. So it's dark. Um, then, you know, you, you get out and the temperature is maybe like 70 degrees or 65, but it's going to get colder because you start getting up into the Andes mountains. So you have to have your own race support there because, uh, they have to be able to supply you with your stuff. Like, you know, no, there's not too many races where you would actually have to throw on more clothing, you know, before you, you know, go onto the run, but the altitude and the temperature changed so much. So that's another extreme thing about it. And I think it'd be fun. I mean, I've never been to South America, go to the other end of the world to race. What is, is all of that, what makes that race in particular your one bucket list or is it just? I'll tell you what, dude, I'll send you their YouTube video and you're going to be like, wow, I get it now. Is that, is that what it is? Like, yeah, they have a, they did a 30 minute uh, special on it. And, uh, it's, it's very well produced, but it's like, yeah, like you see this, like, I really want to do this now. Mm -hmm. So that's what's kind of sold me on it. I had never been to South America. And you remember at the time I could at least speak okay Spanish. We'll find out if you drop me in there, but it's like, okay. So it would be in a country that is an experience to go to. I can somewhat get around with the language and I don't have to worry about someone else because all these other places that have X tries that look really, really cool. I don't speak the language. I don't know anybody else who could speak the language to translate it. So, you know, it kind of ruins the experience because unlike an Ironman or another branded race, they're in cities. They're not very remote, but X tries are really remote to where good luck finding someone who speaks English, you know? Have you done any type of coaching, maybe not just coaching with, triathlons and Ironmans, but like coaching with athletes who have also had traumatic brain injuries? Um, I've never worked with anybody specifically with TBIs before. Uh, I've given people advice though on uh, with TBIs to do the couch to 5K. Mm. I mean, it's not particularly hard, you know, it doesn't, I wrote out a couple of plans of how to get there. So that's the extent I've done that, but because exercise can, is a big help to someone with a TBI. Mm -hmm. So I, I've done that, but I've never done anything with them in triathlons. Would you ever consider doing something like that? Like, would you want to do that? Yeah, I know how frustrating it's going to be. <laughs> uh <-huh. laughs> I, 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 at least I'll have some idea what I'm getting into. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, so what do you do when you're not 
training for all this stuff. Like what's, what does Eric do for fun? I don't know. Maybe this is fun. Hey, I'm sure triathlons and Ironmans are fun, but like, you know, when you're not doing all that. Um, honestly, I just like to hang out with my pets. <laughs> okay. Uh, that's, that's fun with me because like, you know, triathlons, they do like dominate your time, whether it's the training because you have the actual time you're putting in training. You got all that hidden time where you're driving to the pool, you're getting changed, you're doing that, you get shower, you know, you're picking up like an hour of extra time that's not in their, you know, their Strava training log. Mm-hmm. Okay. So there's all this time involved, and it's a very it's like a part-time job. So you don't really you don't really have that much outside of it. Like I fish sometimes. Um, but really it kind of dominates the landscape. And even then, you know, a lot of what I do, my writing and all that stuff, it's still triathlon stuff. So, I mean, if you take that, I just like to write too. That's something else I enjoy. Yeah. But it's usually about triathlons. The one article that I love is how you wrote about how you hate Strava. I also hate Strava. Yeah. Can you touch on why you hate Strava? Yeah. Uh, it, it took away, like, they took away free features and made them paid. Like, oh, they were cool to have, but I'm not paying you for them. Mm-hmm. So. so it was just the features. It wasn't like the competitiveness of it because Gina doesn't like the competitiveness, the competitiveness of it. Oh, I love the competitiveness of it. Oh, okay. <laughs> how, how else are you going to measure yourself against your friends? Oh, uh, so that's, that's the difference of it. Okay. All right. So you don't like that they took away all the free features, but I feel like every app does that. Mm-hmm. or everything you sign up for they have all the good things and then once you do it for long enough they don't have that thing anymore i would have preferred if they sold my data they're like we will never sell your data i'm like well can i have those features back if you do so but that's also such bullshit like they probably don't sell your data but they use your data for other stuff yeah you know um, honestly it's like the top 10 features and stuff like that that you can't see unless you pay and everything else I didn't really care about, but I, I think it pretty much jumped the shark at that point. Mm-hmm. They just like, we're going to make you pay for this stuff now. And a lot of people were like, nope, we're just going to hang out on Garmin. Okay. <laughs> uh, I'm, uh, we're both also Garmin mm-hmm. people. Um, so tell everybody where they can find you online, where they can find your website, and YouTube, everything. I am just Espo Swim, Bike, Run. Mm-hmm. E-S-P-O, Swim, Bike, Run. And uh, yeah, I mean, let's see, it's, it's uh, YouTube, Instagram, Twitter. Yeah, that's all those. Do you, uh, you said you had a lot of stuff planned or you said you had things planned for videos and stuff. Like, do you kind of just let that stuff happen? Do you plan ahead? Are you like one of those people that was like, I, I got to put out a video this week. I got to. Um, no, I mean, I, there's some degree of planning. Like I have, uh, I have different, you know, google drive files that have like list of blog topics to write about or list of video log topics and i I usually either the ones that i cover on the video log or something that just popped in my head that i want to go over or something from the list that's not Mm -hmm. particularly time sensitive like the other thought i might have had do you have to uh set alexas for um like to remind you to write or post or anything like that? Do you do it for that too? Um, I don't only really have to, because with the WordPress stuff, I can set, I can schedule it for a particular time. And mm-hmm. It just does it on its own. 
Chris loves to do that. <laughs> I'm so clueless with that. Yeah, I handle all that stuff. Gina has no idea uh, what. Um, real quick before uh, we let you go, what are what are some? Uh, I want to say weird things, but what are some things that you set Alexa to do, like to remind you of that people would be like, "What the?" <laughs> so um, one of my videos I did is about this. Uh, this this one lady told me uh, she forgets to shower every day. So you know you can you can set your Alexa for an alert to say to tell you to take a shower. I told her you can even make it play music, you know, and classically condition yourself. Think Pavlov's dog, mm -hmm. to where you hear Outcast so fresh, so clean, and it'll make you want to take a shower. You can set your Alexa to do that to play so fresh, so clean at six p.m. That's, cool. That's actually she wouldn't even be telling you to shower. You would just know by hearing that song. Yeah. Okay, that's cool. Yeah. That that's kind of like uh how in college I got trained by so remember the band uh Matthew Sweet? He had like a couple big hits in like the early 90s. Well, there was this one song, so we had an alarm clock that would play a CD instead of playing the instead of buzzing or playing the radio, it would play the CD that you left in there. And my roommate left the same CD in there for the entire year. And it was the same song that would wake him up every day. So now, like, when I hear that song, I feel like it's like I'm, I'm waking up from something. Even if I'm, even if I'm driving in the car, I like I get that anxiety of like, oh, I'm going to be late for class or something like that. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, I mean, I, I do that. I mean, you could get it to play that. I. One of my favorite things to do, though, is the last day of every month, I tell her, play first of the month at 7 a.m. tomorrow. Mm -hmm. Getting up at 7 a.m. on the first of the month, and I want to hear some bone thugs. So. <laughs> That's a good one. That's very specific. Yeah. <laughs> and get 12 of them. <laughs> That's true. You do. Get to hear it 12 times. That's probably more. You've probably heard it more in the past year than I have in, like, the past decade, yeah. I would yeah. say. That's pretty funny. Probably. Yeah. Well, Eric, thanks for joining us, man. We, uh, we had a great time talking to you and we wish you the best of luck. Thanks, man. And that's going to bring another episode of We Run This to a Close. Gina and I want to thank our guest and thank everyone that's listening out there. If you love the show, please be sure to share it with your friends and leave a review on iTunes. If you want to follow the show on social, Check us out on Instagram and Twitter at we run this underscore pod. That's we run this underscore pod. Thanks for listening and we'll see you out on the road.